Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your Tuesday Best Bets episode in the National Basketball Association playoffs. We got some great ones to talk about, including the first game of the most casual series of all time. (laughs) Steph Curry and the Warriors taking on LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. So much history, so much rivalry, so much passion. I think all the other series are way more interesting, but we'll get into all that and more. We're going to do that with, as always, my co-host, NBA futures analyst, Brandon Anderson, and joining us for the first time on Buckets, the host of Green Dot Daily, and a woman who will be doing some WNBA shows for us coming up on this feed in the future. So excited to talk about the W. It's such a great market. If you are listening to this and you have not bet WNBA, get ready. I'm kidding. You could be ready. (laughs) This is such a great market to bet into. It has been great for us as a company. It has been great for me as a better. It's awesome. Maria, so glad to have you on board. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get buckets with the both of you and talk NBA as well. All right. So we're going to do two segments here. We're going to do uh, three segments. Actually, we're going to do one big takeaway from the weekend. And then a little bit later on, we're going to do our picks. And what we're going to do is Brandon's going to give his pick and I'm going to give my pick. And then Maria's going to decide between the two of them, which one is better. And if she chooses Brandon, she'll never be back on the show. So she just needs to keep that in mind <laughs> before we get started. Uh, we're going to do one big weekend takeaway. Obviously a lot happened in the association over the weekend. Uh, we do have series previews up for a number of series. You should check those out in the feed. Brandon, there's, if, you, if I ask you for one big takeaway, like big picture, one big takeaway from the weekend, what do you have? Yeah, I mean, uh, other than Steph Curry having the greatest Game 7 in NBA history, uh, that would be my second takeaway. But I, I think Nugget Suns. Nugget Suns played out exactly like both you and I talked about on the series preview. All the math problems, all the things we said that might be a worry for the Suns, 
the possessions issue, not getting enough threes. To me, that's what we saw throughout game one. And that was the big takeaway. That's the series I needed to learn the most about in game one. And I felt like we learned a lot of what we suspected might be the case. My takeaway, I got to say, you know, we we lost the two seed in Memphis Grizzlies. We lost the three seed in the Sacramento Kings. So we now have a six versus a seven in a semifinal series. That That's interesting. Um, for me, when I look at it, I was actually really just struck by on Sunday night, I looked at the market over at FanDuel Sportsbook for the Western Conference and there's discrepancy in this in the market. So basically, if you want to get a little bit of an art position, you could do that right right now. You could get a little bit of an arbitrage position because uh, currently at a lot of the books, the Denver Nuggets are the favorites to win the Western Conference. They're up 1-0 in their series, and that's going to put them a little bit ahead. But a FanDuel Sportsbook, it's not. It's the 60 Golden State Warriors at plus 195 as the favorite to win the Western Conference. Look. I'm in a like a compromised position here because of somebody that lives in Denver and covers the Nuggets, there's always going to be this concern of an implicit bias. If I lived in Saskatoon, if I lived in Vancouver, if I lived in Guangzhou, if I lived in Mexico City, if I lived in Tallahassee, I would still tell you this line is incredibly insulting to the Denver Nuggets, who finished with the number one seed in the Western Conference, are dominant at home, beat Kevin Durant, Devin Booker in game one, <laughs> need fewer wins than anybody else to win the NBA title and are behind the Golden State Warriors because the Warriors beat the Kings. Like, I get it. And we're going to talk a lot about why the Warriors are, are a good pick and a good bet. All these type of things. We'll do that in our series preview. Just saying, the line's really insulting uh, for Denver here. Uh, Maria, I want to know, what's your big takeaway from the weekend? So my big takeaway has to do with a matchup that we're going to talk about here shortly, which is Nick's heat and more specifically, Jimmy Butler. And what I'm thinking is just for all the numbers in his favor. And there are many uh, he's had six consecutive games with 25 plus points at a field goal percentage of 50% or more. Um, All those numbers, all of that is great. But to me, like his biggest advantage is what's hard to quantify. And that's the playoff Jimmy mystique. And I think that has been really working for him. And it's making me think that he might, he might just play in game two. I don't think he's going to be anywhere close to 100%. And I don't know exactly how effective he's going to be, but there's something about his team feeding off of just his energy. They get so much confidence from him. You saw it in game one. He's clearly, he clearly should not be on the floor and he's out there and he's just, you know, giving, giving that team um, that belief. And so I uh, will get more into what we expect in game two, but it's just something, it's just something about playoff Jimmy. You know, and it's interesting just because I talked to a really smart better a few years ago, and he told me that the NBA is the only sport where he bets the narrative. He was like, the narrative plays out, the storyline plays out in the NBA so often. Like Brandon and I talk about like four factors and EFG, <laughs> rebounding percentage. And I'll be like, let me tell you, let me give you like three minutes on the switch coverage and how they put defend the pick yeah. and roll. And like a lot of the time, it really is just like certain teams win and certain teams lose and certain players win and certain players lose. 
And Jimmy Butler is an absolute certified winner. Um, I will say that as we will get to this game in just a second, if the Knicks were to lose game two, I would be demanding they get sent back to the first round and we get to play the Cavaliers again because I'm never going to let go of this. This should not be the Knicks in the second round. This is a completely fraudulent series. I'm very mad that we have it in general. But that leads us into, uh, I'm going to go ahead and call this Maria meets the market. So what we're going to do here is Brian and I are going to give our, our best bets for the games that we have on tap for Tuesday. And then Maria's going to decide between the two of them, which one she leans towards the most. She's going to pick between the two of us. Brandon, you get to go first. What's your best bet? Knicks Heat, game two. The Knicks favorite in this one. Jimmy Butler is going to be getting uh, treatment continuously up until game time. Eric Spolster said that he's a game time decision. Spoiler alert, every Miami Heat that has ever existed has been a game time decision. <laughs> there has never been a player. They've been like, yeah, definitely in or definitely out. Not how they operate. Uh, the Knicks opened four and a half. It is now minus seven. You can get a minus 108 as we record this on Tuesday morning. Uh Minus 290 on the money line, uh, Heat are plus 235, total of 207. What's your best bet for Knicks Heat? I love the Knicks. You and I both bet this right at the open. I think this is the the biggest punt spot that I have seen for Miami and the playoff Jimmy. I just think they got their win. They're going to get them healthy. But I'm not going to take the minus seven out of the move. Give me Knicks by 11 or more at our sponsor FanDuel, plus 155. Okay. I'm going to take uh, the Heat team total under 100.5. Um, we don't like to talk about stale lines on the show. It's just not fair to you, right? And so, like, I, as much as I want to be like, we bet this immediately at minus four and a half, it's not fair to you. I will say you should definitely go download the Action Network app and turn on notifications because, like, our whole crew is like, immediately, let's hammer the Knicks here in game two. Um, you lose that first game at home. You're going to usually win that second game. Um, Brandon, what's the cap that you have for why you like the Knicks so much in the spot at an alternate number rather than just laying the seven? Because, of course, you're not. Of course I'm not. What what fun is just taking the regular old line? That's no fun. So last round, we saw in the first round, four of our eight games that opening weekend, the road team won. Knicks, Lakers, Heat Clippers. They all stole game one on the road. What happened after that? Those four teams went 0-4 straight up. They lost by 17, 14, 10, and 16. 14 points a game they lost by. That is what these teams do. Matt, you've, you've said this even more than I've believed it. You get the one of the two games. You did your job on the road. Let's go home. That's the usual case anyway. Now here we have a game where we've got Tuesday night game and then nothing until Saturday. We got Jimmy playing on the the most one ankle. We, we've seen the one ankle. We saw five minutes of him standing in the corner and then just like trying to jog down the court. I love you, Eric Spolstra, but like, what are, what were you doing? Put somebody out there who can run around or defend or, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Tibbs did nothing against it. Tibbs didn't attack it. Tibbs did nothing. Is, is that the point? Yes, that's the point. It's like, why yeah. why not keep him out there? Because apparently yeah, the Knicks couldn't solve, go after the guy on one leg. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. I, I just, I love the spot for the Knicks. And I think that they come out strong in front of the home crowd and they just put this away. If Jimmy does play, maybe he does, but I don't know that it's going to go well for him. I honestly don't think that he does, or I think he gets reduced minutes if he does. It just feels like a spot where you say, look, we can just cut our losses here, go back to Miami one-to-one, -one, 
And if we don't play Jimmy, we can give him from Sunday noon, basically, to Saturday. That is like a full week off. We're giving you an NFL week, Jimmy. Just have an actual week off and get the ankle healthy. We all saw uh, Spo's reaction when the ankle rolled. We saw it on TV. I won't repeat it, but you know what he said. That's how important Jimmy is to the series. He's got to be there. This is the spot where you take the Knicks. Why am I taking the alternate line? So Miami this season had uh, only eight times. So so the line is minus seven. I need, to, I need to win by 11 or more rather than eight or more. So I'm effectively saying rather than minus 110 to win by eight or more, I'm getting a plus 155 to win by 11 or more. I, I can't have a Knicks win by eight, nine, or 10. So how often does that happen? Happened seven times this season for the Knicks. It happened eight times a season for the Heat. So about eight or 9% of the time, the number I'm getting here, basically it has to happen 13 or 14% of the time for that not to be valuable. So if I like the Knicks and I already have the bet earlier, I'm going to add to this just to say, okay, I think this gets away. I think Miami kind of lets it get away. And uh, the math tells me if I think that to just go in and take the better spot here and and risk the, the Knicks by eight, nine or 10. The Knicks had their first round wins by nine, 11 and 20 points. So right on the verge of being able to cover this big number. Look, we're just not getting a ton of close games. I know that's Miami's thing, but the Knicks have won by enough. I like them to win. I like them to run away with us. I think we go back to Miami one-to-one. So give me the Knicks by 11 or more, plus 155. So as you mentioned, for me, this is this is just like I'm with you on this. This is essentially um, this is a spot play for me. And the playoffs, there's a couple. And the lines get sharper. This is one that the books can't get sharper on because you can't move so far away from your power rating that it gets absolutely like nuclear. You can't do that. Like you have to be anchored somewhat to your power rating for the, for what you had in game one. Um, when a team loses their first game at home and it's Siri and it's game two, the numbers are obviously really terrific. What I think is interesting here in particular is I looked at when the line is shorter for the favorite. So you're favored by more than you were in the previous game. And like some of this is Jimmy's injury for sure, but they also like it. Sh- Jimmy should affect the line, right? Like Jimmy's availability should impact what this number is. When the line uh, is shorter, 54 and 13 straight up at 81%, 57, 36 and one at 61% against the spread. So like they destroy in these games. By the way, the average margin in those games uh, was nine points across since 2003. So like we have like a pretty substantial history. If we just look at lost the previous game, we're still at 61% against the spread. They win slightly more. We're still at 61%. We're above 60% ATS on these games. The market can't, I love finding these spots where the market historically can't correct because of their anchor to the power rating. And this is absolutely one of those. So like, I'm with you. Um, I, on the other hand though, I am going to take the Miami Heat team total under, I'm taking in the year 2023 of our Lord, I am taking an under of a hundred points. It's a hundred point five. And yet I am somehow taking this under um, because honestly, there's a, so many scenarios here where like, if I'm going to, I needed something that was like different for this bet, but I also really do like this bet. The heat can win this game. If the Knicks offense implodes again, 
And they can do that with their defense. But their offense, after being absolutely hellacious versus the Milwaukee Bucks, crashed down to earth in game one of this series. Now, they still put up some pretty decent numbers. Part of it was that the first game was so slow. It was an incredibly slow game. Um, Miami was plus 4.3 in transition points uh, versus the average, but they only operate in it like 8.4% of the time. That's extremely low. The number of transition points in the series was absolutely just glacial. It was a really slow game. And so you have this like really slow kind of half court game. And both these offenses were fine in game one, but not great. Um, without Jimmy, look, if Jimmy is compromised, much less if he doesn't like much less if he doesn't play, right? Like even if he's just compromised, they are down so much shot creation. No Tyler Hero, no Victor Oladipo, no Jimmy Butler. Like it, it took Kyle Lowry looking like 2015 Kyle for them to get that game. Like they still could have lost that if Kyle doesn't play as well as he did. And if RJ better was RJ Barrett was, you know, a player that you should have on your team. And so like, to me, there is a really good opportunity here to to bet and under against the heat. If you don't want to mess with the heat because you don't believe in the Knicks, this is a good opportunity to go the other way. This really could be like one of those 1990s type of games, throwback to Alonzo Mourning and Patrick Ewing who are in the stands for game for game one. Um, I believe that this is, this is a really slow possession game, 95 possessions for Miami in game one. They scored 108, take out the impact of Jimmy. Jimmy's defense matters, but this is still a very good heat team in terms of schematically. Uh, and I'll take the under team total of 100.5. Maria, okay, it's your turn between the two Ooh, of us. Okay, like? put me on the spot. So I got to decide which of those bets I feel more comfortable with. And look, obviously you both are well-prepared and have great arguments. Um, I'm going to start with Matt since we're just coming off of that. I do kind of like uh, the under for um, the Heat team total. Look, they scored 102 in game one. And that was with Gabe Vincent scoring 20, Bam Adebayo scoring 16, Kyle Lowry, to your point, scoring 18. Um, I don't think that the Heat role players are going to play as well in game two as they did in game one. Now, that's regardless of anything to do uh, with Jimmy Butler. Um, So I I do kind of like that. Now, let's let's talk about Brandon's bet. So. For the Knicks to win by 11, I'm a little hesitant. I I think you originally got them. Um, I know you're playing them up to 10 and a half, but correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, you originally bet them uh, at what, minus four and a half? Correct, yeah. Which I love, and I wish I jumped <laughs> on that. Now we're at minus seven, and I'm, and I'm teetering. And the really the the reason is um, I heard what you said about obviously game two, all of that. I fully expect the Knicks to win this game, and I'm pretty sure they're going to win by seven. I'm struggling with the 11. Um, and if Julius Randle was fully healthy, I'd be a lot more inclined to bet up to that number. Um, and let, let me just be clear. I think that the Knicks are going to make so many corrections in this second game, regardless of Randall status so like even if Randall doesn't play I think that they're not going to let Miami get out in transition especially uh, a Jimmy Butler if he plays and if he's hobbled um, I think they're going to shoot much better from three particularly Jalen Brunson he's I just think he's going to be better overall like how 
Like for him to go 0 of 7 from 3 is an anomaly. This is a random side note, but also why is Obi Toppin shooting more threes than literally anyone on the floor at 11? I don't think that shot selection happens, even though he was decent and made four threes. Uh, I do think they're going to go at Butler a lot more if he does play on both ends. So like if he has the ball on offense, they are going to be locking him down. Um, and defensively, I don't think Butler is going to be as effective if he plays. So yeah, all of these things are pointing me towards Knicks and Knicks even minus seven. And I actually thought they were better at home against the spread than they are. Um, Matt and I went over this right before the show, 21, 22 and one against the spread at home. That's not as good as I thought. That being said, it's just that it's just that 10 and a half, uh, Brandon, that I'm struggling with. So I think I have to <laughs> lean with Matt as, as Matt has this big grin on his face <laughs> for this. Um, oh, and you know what? One other thing, I'm sorry. This kind of goes back to my big takeaway about like the Jimmy Butler mystique. Yeah. All the numbers that you're saying again, makes so much sense. But what I'm saying about him is it goes <laughs> beyond the numbers. And I think him playing in, in game two, it might not be the smart thing on paper, but I feel like it would be more valuable to them in the series than say in game two, like it just keeps feeding that, like that, Oh, we're, we're so tough and we're going to out tough you. And we're going to outwork you, even though we're like the, you know, potentially the underdog and all that stuff. So just wanted to throw that out there as well. You know, one of the reasons I liked the Cavs in games three and four, and they lost both and didn't cover any either, um, was actually because my numbers have the Knicks as having actually like a negative home court advantage relative to the league average. Like their fate, like huh. their impact at home has been really poor. Like the, it's not just the, the spread either. Like their overall net rating at home compared to their road numbers is poor. Like that's just who they now. Been. I, I'm going to let Brandon. <laughs> respond because there's a, a very good chance i could be completely no. eating my words here. well actually what i want to ask brandon um, was i know brandon has this is is brandon give me the math give me the math on why the plus 155 is a better play here than the seven yeah i tried to not go too into the weeds on the numbers but really that that's the angle is to me i i still like the next minus seven marie i agree with you i obviously i, I yeah. can't play it right now at minus seven when i have a four and a half already that's not helpful to a good listener for you. good for you so here, here's the math. Most books, you're going to get a minus 110 on the straight spread. Some books, minus 115. But we'll do 110. That's a 52.4% chance. You need to hit your bet to win. Mine at plus 155 is 39.2%. So basically, there needs to be a 13% chance that the Knicks win by 8, 9, or 10. And I lose my bet, but the Knicks cover the normal spread. That has to happen a 13% of the time for this not to be a better play. I don't have the like historical NBA playoff number of how often does the favorite by seven win by eight to 10. I don't have that, but from the season, the Knicks won by that much, that exact margin, 8% of the time, the heat lost by that much, 9% of the time to me, it's just totally, it's a math thing. It's, I like the Knicks. Yeah. I like the spot. Let me get the best version of the number that I can. And I think that the 11 plus is a better payoff version of the number, which that's me. That's why I always have to follow my math. So that's, that's the reason. I, certainly, I would feel better about just winning by seven. I'm just going to go for the yeah. payoff that makes it worth it to me. Yeah, if Brandon ever has an opportunity, if it's like, oh, hey, here's like a nice minus 110 number that you like, Brandon's always going to be like, but what if? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Well, look, and that's, and that's why you are an expert. And I fully admit that 
you know, as a sports talking head, I am, you know, I go a lot by narrative. You, I think both of you have an edge and, and our whole action network talent roster has an edge because of the numbers. So I'm totally with you there. There's something about the Knicks playing at home. I, I think with the relative amount of success they've had like this year and like a couple years ago when they made the playoffs is like the weight of the world is on yes. their shoulders with this yes. fan base. And Julius Randall hasn't always responded with that pressure of like, we're going to be take the Knicks back to the promised land. Now, the difference is I think Jalen Brunson is built a little different and I think he is going to respond big time. So yeah, it's, it's, um, Look, the math, uh, you you gave me the math and I and I support it, but my my verdict still stands. <laughs> Brandon, uh, right. before we move on real quick, are you with me? I like this number less if Julius Randle plays. I don't know wow. that I have a strong lean on that way. I understand it. We, we've talked about Randle enough. I uh, want, yeah, here's I what it. I don't want. I don't want anybody who I have questions about their composure versus Miami in a playoff game that you need to win. <laughs> Like that gets I'll, right, I'll just say this I, on the on the quarters thing. The, I noticed on the, the prep for the series, the Heat have been an awesome, awesome fourth quarter team. But the Knicks had the, the favored. The Knicks were better in the first quarter, second quarter, and third quarter. If the Knicks are winning by enough, like I think they will, then the fourth quarter net isn't going to matter anymore. Because if it gets to like Knicks by 15, 20, and whatever, then that's where the Heat kind of were like, all right, all right, let's cool, let's try this again Saturday. So I think that's part of why I like it. But yeah, I don't know about Randall. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Let's move on to the big one, Lakers-Warriors game one. Uh, line opened... In this one, four and a half. There are fives at FanDuel Sportsbook. There are four and a half still in the market as we're recording this. Uh, so I will ask if you're given that line to talk about where you're comfortable with it too. Um, Brandon Anderson, <laughs> true blue Golden State Warriors <laughs> fan. Just no one, no one is a stronger Warriors fan than him. Uh, I ask you, what is your best bet for this game? You know, I actually, I would like to uh, pass it back to you. I want to let you start on this one. I'm going to be a gentleman because I think my case responds to yours a little bit. Okay, so I, I will say that I was originally, uh, for this, I was on uh, Lakers plus four and a half. I bet it immediately when it opened. I tracked it. And I'll give like the reason for that very quickly here because I think it's important context for folks. This is an old buddy of ours, Raheem Palmer, former colleague, now at the ringer. This is his thing. 
that he had to start looking at last year, and it's been really profitable. Uh, teams that go to game seven, then the following series have really struggled in game one. You don't have enough time to recover. Um, the difference here is that usually those teams were on the road. Uh, historically, since 2003, teams that played in game seven before this round, 22 and 37 straight up, 24 and 34 at just 41% against the spread. So fading them as a 58.6% play uh, in the playoffs. Now, the key here is that the Warriors are home. And so that changes the dynamics here. And then that goes to just 11 and 12 straight up. 48% still under 500, which I think is notable, but it's more of a coin flip, right? 11 and 12, one more win. And this is even if the Warriors win, this is a 500 trend straight up. They are, however, 7, 15 and one against the spread. That's 31.8%. Even at home, coming off of that game seven, they've struggled. Um, I want to add another layer on this, which is I looked at if you are a seed greater than two and you just played in a game seven, that goes to 10 and 23, 30% straight up, whew, and 14, 18, and one, 44%. Again, we get into the problem of this is a home game yeah. for the Warriors. Most of those teams were on the road, and that hasn't happened as often in NBA history because you just don't see a home game. You don't see a six seed at home very much in the in the second round. Um, though there's, we only have five instances of that. One and four straight up, oh and four, oh four and one against the spread. So, like, the trend has continued to be not great for these teams. I will tell you, like, I, I don't want Warriors here. We'll talk about the series matchup when Brandon and I get into it later on our uh, series preview, which you can find in the feed. So, I say all this to say I went to the under 227 and a half. This is a preposterous number. Uh, this is here. Here's the profile of these two teams the Lakers half court offense is not good and struggled versus an elite. Memphis half-court defensive team that was missing Steven Adams and Brandon Clark and jaw wasn't there to put pressure on the rim for some of that series. The Warriors played an absolutely trash defense and still wound up with the 10th best half-court offense in the NBA playoffs. Like these, I understand Steph Curry's got 52 splash. Woo. Shooty hoops. I understand it. It's great. Awesome. That's not who this team is. This is not the splash brothers. Clay's not that guy anymore. Draymond's not that guy anymore. And the supporting cast definitely isn't that guy, those guys anymore. So like you have a, have a Lakers team that their problem is scoring and their strength is defense. And you have a Warriors team that their strength is defense and they struggle to score. Like the Warriors in the regular season were mid, very mid offensively. So those two things combined, this 227 and a half, these two teams are not going to run that much. And if they do, there's going to be transition defense. These are two big teams. So there's not going to be a huge offensive rebounding second chance points advantage for either team. Like there's not like Looney may get a ton of rebounds in this series, but it's not going to impact necessarily the scoring efficiency all that much. 227 and a half is a ridiculous number. Um, also, by the way, going back to those trends, all of those trends that I mentioned with those performances coming off of the game sevens, the other thing that happened the under was very yeah. much in play. Um, so in those types of, of situations, I will go ahead and I will go with the under 227 and a half uh, because I chickened out with Lakers plus four and a half. Yeah, so I, I like the idea of the under here. I was going to ask if you had the number on the post game seven. That is the post game seven trend that I think makes a lot of sense here. I think that maybe both of these teams get a little tired out by the end of the game. My play is real. I'm going to take the Warriors. I'm going to take the Warriors to win in the cover, the four and a half. And my play for starters is honestly is a contrarian play. 
And I know that Matt, you think I as a person am contrarian, but I don't play a lot of contrarian plays. But man, the second the Warriors won, all I saw in our Slack channel from all of our experts and all over Twitter was Lakers game one. After after the game seven, everyone has the after the game seven stat. And it's a great stat. It's an important stat, but also loses 40 to 50% of the time. It's still like trends are good, but trends aren't 100%. So I was like, okay, everyone is going Lakers. I want to ask you, does the trend <laughs> make you a little bit more likely to go against it? Like you have such a revolution no. towards these type of sample things. You don't like trends. You don't think no, no, I there? love trends. You, you've heard me on NFL podcasts. Like, I love trends. Like, absolutely, the post-game seven fade the team is definitely a spot that I will hit almost every time. Here's why I'm not hitting at this time. Okay. Here's why I'm being contrarian. I've got two other trends. So here's my response to your I don't like trends. Here are the two other trends. <laughs> and you've heard them both because <laughs> I went there both on game one last round. They both lost. I'm going back again because I believe in these. Number one, LeBron James. In road game ones for his life is four and 14 straight up. LeBron James loses road game ones. It is what he has done in his career. He did not do it this year in game one, but for his career, he is four and 14 straight up, by the way, including 0 and 4 against Steph Curry and the Warriors. That's number one. Number two, it's not just against LeBron. The Warriors destroy in game ones in this regime. Since the beginning of the Kerr era and the dynasty, the Warriors are 21 and four in game ones, straight up. That includes two and two on the road, which they're not here. So 19 and two at home, Warriors in game one. We have talked about this on a billion podcasts and for years. LeBron feels the series out early. LeBron tries to get his teammates going. He, he just, the, the numbers are a little lower. His median, his average stats are all a little bit lower. He gets a little more assists early in the series. This is what LeBron does. He kind of tries to solve the puzzle a little bit. The Warriors, on the other hand, are a completely different animal. Matt, we've talked for forever how stagnant and not great the Grizzlies half-court offense is. That's what the Lakers have been playing for a couple of weeks. Guess who's not that? The Warriors. All the threes and all the back cuts and all the easy twos at the rim and all the relocation threes. Who's defending the three for the Lakers in this series? Is it Dennis Schroeder? Is it D'Lo? Like, I, these guards are going to get cooked by the Lakers. I know we are trusting the defense, but early in the series, there are a lot of individually negative defenders on Los Angeles. And I think Golden State, we've seen many, many series time and again they get the easy looks and they're going to hit the threes. I think in this series, I like the Warriors in game one. I will almost always pick them in game one. I will almost always pick against LeBron on the road in game one. Those are two of my most tried and true trends that I have trusted over the years. We don't get a lot of steady, faithful trends like this specific to a team or a player in the playoffs because it's all a small sample. The only teams and the only players we have real sample for are the Warriors and the LeBrons. So these are the two trends <laughs> that I trust. I will bet against LeBron game one on the road. I will take the Warriors at home. Give me them to cover the four and a half. He just wants this because he wants an opportunity to bet against LeBron. Like, I'm just going to be real with you. He just like this is like the ultimate Brandon series. Like, so be it. Like, so be Steph it. Versus, versus LeBron. All right, Maria, which between is under 227 and a half or Warriors minus four and a half? 
Okay, so I do like both of these bets. However, this time I'm going to give the edge to Brandon. Um, so uh, disclaimer, I did kind of like uh, the Warriors minus the points already. Um, with your cases, Matt, and again, I still like the pick, but I'm obviously I have to pick one of these. And the fact that uh, the Warriors are at home kind of changes everything and does make your trends a little bit less jarring. I totally agree with um, what Brandon was saying about LeBron. So when I think LeBron, I think he he doesn't care so much. He cares more about the long game and the end game. Like it's not going to shake him to lose game one. He's like the kind of person that like thinks like, like we're going to be fine. And and he should feel that way. I mean, it's LeBron. Um, so like he's chilling. Even if they lose game one, like LeBron's kind of chilling. Like it's not going to determine whether or not they win the series. Whereas on the flip side, I think the Warriors kind of have to win game one to win this series. Like this is not a situation like, and again, I know they were on the road with Sacramento, but it's it's not like a situation where like they can go down 0-2 and like still win the series. That's not going to happen against LeBron and AD. So it just makes that game one win so much more urgent for them. And you that that's really what it comes down to. Like I'm worried about it being a trap game because it's not every day that Steph Curry drops 50 points in a winner go home situation. And so I do worry a little bit about a letdown. But to Brandon's point, LeBron is not great in game ones and the Warriors are very good at home, even against the spread. And again, this is another thing that that we pulled right before the show. So 28, 15 and one ATS at home, four and one um, at home ATS in their last five, uh, 35 and nine straight up at home. So I just feel like the Warriors understand the gravity of this. And if they lose game one, they lose their advantage in this series. And that cannot happen. So there you go. Okay. Before we get you out of here, I want to, <laughs> I have one WNBA question for you, Maria. Uh, okay. Is there any yeah. reason to bet a future in the WNBA on a team other than the New York Liberty or the Las Vegas Aces, which I have futures on both? Ah, uh, so the one reason, the, only reason I can think of really um, to place a bet on a future other than the Liberty and the Aces is uh, a player by the name of Elena Deladon, who mm. has said that she has had her greatest offseason ever. Um, she is actually getting strong for the first time in a few years rather than rehabbing. And the only reason I put this out there is the Mystics are plus 1400. So it almost just, I feel like if there's, anywhere where it's worth putting a flyer. Um, I think we've forgotten about just sort of the greatness of Elena Deladon. And um, so there's that value. I am a little bit intrigued by Brittany Griner's return and also Diana Taurasi kind of being in the twilight of her career. Do we see Skylar Diggins-Smith return from pregnancy midway through the season? Does that put them over the top? Now, remember, BG was playing like an MVP when the Mercury made it to the finals in 2021. I'm not sold on Vanessa Nygaard as a coach, but that being said, again, for plus 2,500 flyer to have DT potentially ride off into the sunset of her career on like a championship, to have BG after being wrongfully detained in Russia for an entire season, you know, play like an MVP. There's something to that narrative. That being said, my 
bet right now is probably Liberty plus 130 over the Aces plus 110. I just, I like, it's not a lot of value, but a little bit more value. And I do kind of give the Liberty the advantage, particularly in the post. I just think with John Quill Jones and Brianna Stewart, who for my money, Brianna Stewart is the best player in the world. That's just how I feel. Um, and you also have like Dolson's a really great role player uh, in the post there. And so I, I give, I give them a slight edge talent wise over the, over the aces, because I would say typically, okay, Liberty don't have that championship pedigree, but okay. Now they have Brianna Stewart. Now they have Courtney Vandersloot who has won a championship. So that's kind of where my mind is. But again, if you want to have a little fun and find some value elsewhere, I, I am intrigued by the Mystics and Mercury. I'm betting the Mystics as soon as we get off this pod. I'm yeah, I'm betting the Mystics as soon as we get off. This pod. I convinced you. Yeah, man, Ella, <laughs> Elena, she she that is that is a bad woman. She is amazing. They are back yeah. at full strength. They should be like re. They had. I, I've noticed this trend where it's like the WNBA seasons because of the over off, overseas work. It the finals yes. runs takes a lot out of the championship team. You you've seen that with the Storm. Yes, and then it takes them like a year to recover. And then they're right back into it. So like, yeah, with already having built positions on the aces and like, I was heavy on, I hit the Liberty, like in the app, I hit it as soon as the season was done. Cause I started I, hearing about, Hey, I, Stuart may go to so the smart. Liberty. I wish I did that. Let's, and so. just to your point, I, I know we got to get out of here, but one more thing to your point about the aces. So just last time the WNBA had a repeat champion was 2002. So over 20 years. So it's really, it's just really hard to go back to back. What a great poll, Maria. That's awesome. All right. That's Maria Moreno. You can check her out on Green Dot Daily every day in the Action Network app. She's the host. She's going to be here on Buckets with us doing WNBA and some more NBA playoff stuff with Maria Meets the Market. Maria, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And I'll be back to completely lick my wounds if I was wrong on either of the picks that I <laughs> that I made. I will give both of you the credit if you were right and I was wrong. Uh, all right, we'll be back. Uh, you'll be in the feed. You'll be able to find our Lakers Warriors preview. Brandon and I are going to record that right now. Make sure to download the Action Network app. My thanks to David Payne, our producer. We'll see you guys again next time. Until then, get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.